Welcome to Hire Tech, powered by CodeUp. It's a podcast about hiring entry-level technical talent for your teams. It's where we interview new developers, data scientists, cloud engineers, and the people that hire them. I'm your host, CodeUp CEO and lifelong developer, Jason Strawn. In today's episode, we're speaking with Jeremy Brown, Technical Support Manager at Rackspace. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for being here. Hey, Jason, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm fascinated. We're going to have a, a hopefully a great episode ahead. Uh, so first of all, for those people in the world that might not be as familiar with Rackspace as probably people in San Antonio might be, uh, mm-hmm. could you give us just a quick uh, blurb on what it is that your company does and more specifically what a technical support manager there does? Yeah, we help with hosting. Um, we've got you know our own products and are also providing support for other third-party clouds as well. Uh, really helping folks do what they need to do, run their business without needing to have everything uh, be on-prem. So really assist there. And and for me as a manager, I've managed several different teams of engineers, admins, support technicians, and currently our phone team. Um, So managing all different levels of folks. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, Rackspace was an early uh, pioneer. Mm-hmm. And it really came into cloud hosting, specifically hosting and then cloud hosting. And of course, in San Antonio, where they're headquartered, where you're headquartered, they are really the the tech company and have been the tech company in San Antonio for quite a long time. So quite a great story for those of yeah. us that are here locally. The, the Rackspace tech story has been phenomenal. And, you know, you say you're a technical support manager. You're in a place that really pioneered tech support mm-hmm. in hosting really like before Rackspace, you wanted tech support and you had a host you just didn't have that and 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 you guys really created that first to my knowledge a major company that was providing a service first mentality to that so it's a big deal to manage and to be a part of the technical support team over there but you said you've managed all these different folks between account manager and the linux manager and the technical support when you think about cloud hosting that's a, a, a wide variety of specialities. And so how is it that you, 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 you deal with that part of it, knowing that it's not really a bunch of generalists? You need yeah. people that are experts across all different types of technologies. I, I think it's, it's really trying to just figure out who the person is, what level they're at, and, and what they need. Because you can't, I've had level three engineers and then... Uh, recently I had somebody join who this is their, their first job out of high school, uh, on the phone team. So understanding where that person is at in their career, how much, you know, I'll say oversight, not supervision they need, uh, you know, do they just need, I just need to help them remove roadblocks. Do they need more coaching, understanding, you know, learning what it's like to work at a, at a large company, things like that, but just really tailoring how I manage to who that person is and what they really need. And just understanding that it's not just, you can't just peanut butter spread your management style, regardless of the individual, the role, uh, the demand, anything like that. That's, that's, that's fascinating. I appreciate it. And, you know, it is kind of true across technology. You end up with folks that are incredibly entry and then, you know, work all the way up into where you're managing a lot of other folks. And, of course, we also have the added complexity of being in an industry where you never know it all and become an expert. Once you really become fluent 
in one particular technology, there's a new one exactly. that is out there and the support is needed for that and the know-how is needed for that. And, you know, for you to to now be in this position where you've, you're managing a group of people, a large group of people that are doing these kinds of things at a large company with a, a lot of users dependent upon that um, makes me first just begin to think about how exactly does one find themselves becoming uh, a technical support manager. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a silly way. I'm, I'm really seriously fascinated. Was there like this moment where, you know, seven-year-old Jeremy is walking around, you know, Disney World and it's like, man, somebody behind the scenes here is managing the people that support all of this. But joking aside, where did you yeah. find your love for technology? So I will be honest, I am likely going to be very different than anybody else you talk to on this podcast. I was a high school English teacher before working at Rackspace in Ohio. So I, I went to college. I got my degree in adolescent to young adult integrated language arts education and English with a teaching emphasis. The easy way to say that is I got a degree that allowed me to teach uh, grade seven through 12 English class. I got hired at my hometown high school. I taught English for three years. And then I was laid off the rift reduction in force and was looking around for jobs, did not, there were three jobs in the entire state that, that met my licensure. And so was looking around, I was honestly considering going back to Best Buy, which is where I had worked in, in college, enjoyed that. And was like, okay, well, I, I could do that. And at the, the time I was with somebody and she had an uncle that worked at Rackspace and said they were looking for recruiters. She was a recruiter. So she started looking into Rackspace and we lived in Ohio. And if she was getting a job in Texas, I would also want to get a job in Texas. So I started looking around and found the account manager role and really thought that that sounded cool to me. It's basically a, a role where people tell you what's wrong and you help them get it fixed. And kind of the the go between where, <laughs> when I explain account management, if you're familiar with the classic film Office Space, um, the quote that always sticks out to me is, "You, know, I'm good with people." That's how I think of account management. You you talk to these angry folks, and then you relay what's going on to text. And again, I had an English background. I taught high schoolers how to read Shakespeare. So this was an entirely new world for me when I came in. And I would notice that I would get a lot of the same problems. So I would start sitting with the Linux team or the Windows team and say, okay, when this customer is asking me about this, what's going on? How, how do you look into this? What are you looking for? So I started to kind of pick things up that way and was able to kind of get a, a better understanding of what was going on. And I was really excited. I loved you know coming in, helping people every day learning how to get the departments to work together, built myself up to an account manager too, and then did a couple of, I interviewed to, to lead a few different teams. And eventually they said, hey, we think you would be really good for our after hours Linux team, which I was excited. I am not an early morning person. So leading an after hours crew worked great for me. And you know, Linux folks are not always the most uh, talkative bunch or you know, the most mainstream of folks. So I got to hang out with some very unique personalities, which was cool. And I, I found myself, again, learning more about them and finding out what they needed and, and what ideas they had and how things could be better for them. 
So again, I just, I kept learning and working from them and trying to make things as easy as I could. And then I continued to evolve. I had, I had Linux folks at the time. They're now called engineers at the time they were called admins, but essentially engineers. I had levels one through three, some extremely intelligent folks on my team. Then we started uh, bringing in kind of our, our lower level folks, which were monitoring techs at the time is what we called them. And we also had support specialists, which were similar. And so I had a pretty big, wide gap of, of types of folks that I had. And then we, I, I started getting feedback from my Linux engineers about how, how things could be better for them because there were some low-level tasks in the queue that they felt like, hey, this, this is beneath my normal knowledge level that is required. So we started looking at these monitoring techs and support specialists and said, they want to learn more. They're probably capable of doing this work with some training, and it would remove that work from our high-level folks. Let's create a team that really tackles this. And we created our support tech role. And so I had support techs and Linux engineers. And over time, we started building out that support tech layer. And I'd helped build it up. I really enjoyed it. It was more entry level. And that's kind of, I'm, I'm the, the kind of guy that likes helping folks grow. And that was really what I enjoyed about teaching high schoolers is, you know, they're, they're in this transitionary period where they're growing up into college or starting the workforce. And I loved helping them make that transition. And I really like that bringing folks in the entry level role. This is their, you know, their, their foot in the door into tech. And then to help build them and grow into these positions. So I was more passionate about that level. And I'm not as deeply technical. I'm not rooted in Linux or anything like that. So I kind of shifted there uh, and then helped build that. And then we created sort of uh, specialty layers of support tech twos and created the Linux admin, Windows admin, NetSec admin uh, roles. Uh, and then created an entire organization, which is now called First Line Response, which is basically we are the, the first line for essentially almost all support at Rackspace. Uh, and now I've got the, the phone team. We've had some, some changes. Uh, and so this helps me continue to grow, learn new positions where we're taking all of the initial phone calls that come into the company, figuring out, is this something we can work on? Do we need to escalate the call to somebody else? Uh, looking at bringing in new layers of work for this team. So I've really, I've gotten to see so many different layers uh, and, and different, you know, different needs of the team, things like that. But it's been, it's been really cool for me to kind of, I guess, flex those different muscles on how you manage these L3 engineers that just like, everybody leave me alone. Let me just sit at my desk and you put my headphones on, hack away at stuff and fix problems. And then folks that are just like, I don't know what I want to learn. Can you help me figure out what I want to learn and how to do that? So it's been, it's kind of like that, that every few years, it's that new refresh in what I'm managing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, that's a great, that's a, a great answer. A lot of fidelity there. Um, and I appreciate that. It's, uh, yeah. you know, and like you said, it's a unique journey into tech. And there's a couple of things I'd like to unpack here. Yeah. Uh, first is one that I just I talk about probably too much, but I heard it in yours as well, and I hear this commonly from people transitioning into a career in technology where mm-hmm. they were somebody before, yeah. where they were a position and an expert or knowledgeable in a in a field prior to coming to technology, like you were as a high school English teacher, mm-hmm. and I call it just syndrome because you hear them say things like, "Well, I was just." 
an NCO in the military in Afghanistan, or I was just a teacher, or I was just a barista or a whatever it is. Yeah. And I try to tell them, like, take the just out because you're bringing all of these skills yeah. that you're not giving yourself credit for. You are not just anything. You were that, and you're bringing that to technology. And I think people have this misconception that tech is all about engineering. And what I unpacked from your story, and you can tell me if it's fair or not, but I heard, you know, when you were put in a position of having to transition careers or not having to, but in a position to transition careers and chosen to, that the things I unpacked from what I heard from your story right then were you immediately brought the empathy that either you self-possess or that you got through teaching or that helped you as teacher to then understand the customer needs the company need to to really do do those things. So then I heard curiosity, right? Like I wanted to understand how do I do this better so that I can fulfill that empathy. And I heard you talk about growth, whether that was for yourself, your knowledge, your skills, or for the people that you managed. I heard about helpfulness. And these I think are all inherent in whatever your previous job was. It wasn't you were just a teacher. You were somebody who was using empathy and curiosity and a growth mindset and being helpful. And you brought that to tech. And then you also talked about problem solving. And to me, that's the the one part of the, the stereotype of who's in tech that's probably true. We like to solve problems. Oh, for sure. Uh, whether you're doing it with a server or software or data or through making better processes or efficiencies and management or whatever it is, we just like solving problems. So yep. with kind of that in mind, that listener that's going, wait a minute. That's me. I'm not yeah. the, 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 I don't know how to program or I don't know any of these things, but I, I do have things like empathy and curiosity and, and helpfulness. Where do they fit in tech? You did. What would you yeah. say to them? I think, so I kind of, I'll, I'll go back and then come back to that. When you say the just, I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think a lot of people do think I'm just whatever X was. I don't think anybody should ever say I'm just. It's where your step one should not be compared to somebody else's step 27. Don't do that to yourself. I had a two-star general that came and was a support technician. So this is somebody who'd reached, you know, basically the pinnacle of his career and then was starting with folks that this was maybe their first or second ever job. Never look at it as just it's and now is how I look at it. I was a teacher and now I am an account manager or a manager or whatever that looks like. And there are so many skills that people possess that are applicable to so many different areas, but nobody thinks of it like that. I look at a lot of resumes where people will just write down a specific task that they did. And this life hack for anybody that's putting together a resume, don't think about the specific task. Think about what skills that task showed. Where you Do you have the ability to plan? Do you have the ability to adjust on the fly? What does doing that thing show that you have the ability to do? Because that's what we're looking for. Like, I, I just thought, you know, I, I create lesson plans. I work with other teachers on, on things, but that shows I can build to different skill levels. I can collaborate across departments, which those are things you can do in any role. And I think that's where you, when you ask, you know, hey, I'm empathetic or I have, I want to problem solve, things like that. You can apply that anywhere. And if you have this curiosity, you know, I love, I love playing on the internet. I love playing video games. I love doing whatever that thing is. 
Do you want to know what goes in behind that? Do you want to know when you're playing that video game online? Do you want to know who hosts that? What's going on behind the scenes? How does that work? You know, if you're curious about those things, the amazing thing about the world and the internet now is just start Googling stuff. You might wake up 14 hours later and you've gone so far down the rabbit hole. And if you're still interested and you still want to learn more, that's when you know, ooh, I need to look into this because this is something I'm excited about. And at Rackspace, that's one thing I love about Rackspace is we are a strengths-based company. So something that I did once at Best Buy, but I feel like they just had to check a box. We took a strengths assessment. And then everybody said, here's my results. We didn't talk about what they meant, what they were, and then we never looked at them again. It's like, okay, on Rackspace, when you first start out, we take a strengths assessment and then we actually go through what those strengths mean. And I have empathy, learner, and input. And those are three of the things that you talked about. For me, empathy, it's it's been something I've always had, but yeah, definitely it probably I had, I, I built that up while I was teaching because you're dealing with 160 teenagers and they've all got problems and you want to help everybody with that. But learner, I love learning about new things and input. A lot of people think about, you know, you collect things and if it, if you do it too much, you become a hoarder, which is never great. But I like to collect information. So I'll learn a little bit about all these different things. So if I'm ever in a situation where somebody starts talking about something, hopefully I know a little bit that will allow me to kind of add things to that conversation and then we can build from there. But yeah, it's just taking what are your innate strengths? What are the things that you know? What are the things that you love? What are you good at? And then how do I apply that to this new role and build on that and now instead of just? Thank you. Uh, uh, I hope that's helpful to anybody that needed to hear that because more often than not, I, I think that two things happen. One of them we just talked about, and that's, you know, we tend to underestimate the value that we truly bring. For sure. Right. If you were, you know, serving in the military and you've been deployed overseas, there is no just about that. You you no. have skills that you're talking about of working under extreme pressure, pressure yep. that most human beings will never understand, yes. uh, a sense of accountability. And, you know, that most people can't ever fathom. There, don't underestimate. The, the things that you have done and apply those skills. I think that that's, that's wonderful advice. That's one of the things I've been able to work with a few different programs where I've helped veterans that are looking to transition to the civilian world and talking to them about their resume, where they are just putting these specific tasks and they're talking, well, I'm not sure uh, what skills I have and what I could talk about. I was like, okay, did you work on your own in the military? They're like, oh no, I was in a group of you know, hundreds of people. I'm like, okay, so you can work in a team. All right. Uh, were you ever in a dangerous situation? Oh yeah, all the time. Okay, so you can work under pressure. If you can, if you're in a life and death situation, you can probably handle an upset customer over the phone. Like you can handle those things. So there are, especially with the military and being in San Antonio, we have a much larger military population. Sure. Yeah, there are so many skills, regardless of what you're doing. So many. If you can handle a rush hour at Starbucks, you can translate that to several other things. There are so many. It's never just you have skills that will translate to any job you want to go to. And, and here you are living proof um, <laughs> that you can if you're if you're teaching high school right now and you're not digging it, there's a career in technology. Um, and 
I have a belief that there's a role for just about everybody inside of our industry. And the main person that's keeping most people from even trying is themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, I've got a, a son. He's older now, but three, four years ago, he's 12 years old at the time. Uh, and he went and spoke at JavaScript conference in Medellin, Colombia. And he built a video game live on stage in the conference Jeez. at 12 years old. Uh, 45 minutes later, there's a live working video game on stage. And people come to me and they're like, you must have, like, he, he's got to be a savant. Right. To be able to write, I mean, his dad's a programmer. He got to grow up around it. I guess like a guitarist dad, your kid plays guitar, but he must be a savant. How did you teach him to do that? And I said, whoa, I think that he just, nobody told him he couldn't. Right. Like he didn't have the belief that it was too hard to go do. And I mean, it's a drag and drop programming language. It's not like he's like jamming down some C code or something, Mm -hmm. but you know, uh, he, he, he builds this, this game on stage live. Um, and whether it was talking live, understanding how to code or building a video game, all three of them, I said, he's an average 12 year old. He is, he is an average kid. There's, you know, he's a normal everyday human being. Um, but nobody told him these things are hard or they're impossible. He wasn't old enough to learn that you're supposed to yeah. have stage fright. But we get older and we stand in our way. So you're somebody that's both made the transition into tech and you've helped countless other people, whether it's a customer who's trying to stand up a server for the first time or it's bringing in these entry-level people onto your team and helping them train up. In that regard, what do you say to those people that say, I don't know if I'm smart enough or if I'm capable of getting a job in technology? Try. That's the the biggest thing that you can do. And realistically, we have gone through a major shift in how the world looks at education. And I talked about that when I presented at a school and they were not very happy with me, but I was honest. I, I presented, it was at an elementary school and students are asking us questions. And then the teacher said, oh, uh, Mr. Brown, do these students need to get a degree in computer science to work at Rackspace? Or is there another degree you would recommend? And I said, they don't need a degree at all. And the teacher just got wide eyed and like, uh, wh- what? I was like, you don't need a degree. Start learning Linux as soon as you can get on the internet. You can teach yourself some programming, Linux. There's so much you can learn on your own now. Go out and try it. If you're curious, like, hey, I, I don't know if this is for me. I'm not. Uh, Google it. It's the same thing. Google it. Try it. Sign up. There are free things you can do. There are so many programs out there that they will, they're not going to, you know, spoon feed it exactly, but they chunk it up to make it so easy for you that if you get through that first lesson, you say, okay, that wasn't too bad. Let me try the second one. And then you keep building. And by the end of a few weeks, you're just, oh, this is fun. I still understand what's going on. Yeah, I could, I could really get behind this. There's so much that you can do to teach yourself that you don't have to have a degree at a four-year university. I'll be honest. I'd rather take an 18-year-old who's been teaching themselves Linux since they were 12 than a 22-year-old that graduates with a degree in computer science that realistically they learned some stuff that's probably now outdated. It's, it's weird to say that because growing up, it was ingrained. You go to college, you get a degree, then you get a good job. Now it's like, and my mom made fun of the, the trade school option we had in high school where I, for me, they presented it as you can learn a skill 
and get paid to work while everybody else is going to class. That sounds amazing. My mom's like, no way. That's not for people with bright futures. That's for people who can't go to college. And now I'm actively encouraging people. If you're interested in this, you don't need to go to college. Learn as soon as possible. And this is, this is not me saying don't go to college. I am saying there are other ways to learn. And especially if you're, if you're already in a career, but it's not something that you love and you want to get into a field that's growing and there are great opportunities, just go out, Google it, try it. If you enjoy, keep doing it. That's, that's the biggest thing. There's literally the only barrier to entry is now having the internet. That's it. Go home after you get off work. You've, you've got some time. You might be tired. And, but it's, it's investing in yourself. If you want to do it, do it. I'm not guarantee you're as soon as you learn a thing or finish a program, you're immediately going to get a new job and it's going to pay you the most money in the world. And all your dreams are going to come true, but it may tell you, this is something I want to keep doing. This is something I want to pursue. And then see if there's a group in your, your city or town of people that are hobbyists or people that are working on, you know, open source projects, things like that. There's so much that you can do. It literally is the only thing stopping you from doing it. Maybe not as a job, but the only person stopping you from doing it at all is you. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. And I'm glad that, uh, it's always good to get validation that I'm not crazy. Well, maybe I, maybe we both are, but, um, you know, and full disclosure for anybody listening, um, you know, Jeremy does work at Rackspace. CodeUp did purchase the Rackspace Open and Cloud Academy last year and has been integrated into our curriculum where we do teach a cloud administration course. But it's nice as you were to, to say uh, things about how not having a degree goes. It's not like we paid him for it. We already bought it from the company. Um. <laughs> and honestly, so that is the thing that I that I loved when when it was the Rackspace Open Cloud Academy and now it's through CodeUp. You have these folks that are going into a program where basically it's it's all day, every day. The class is generally, you know, eight, eight hours, but then you're going to have group projects, homework, things like that. They're going home and studying more. So then you've got folks that just devote all their time and energy to learning this technology and they're hungry. You don't go into this as just like, eh, maybe, you know, whatever, like you're, you're paying for it. It's class all day. You're learning at home. So they come out hungry and they're like, I love doing this give me a job. And those are the folks generally you want to hire to come in. They've already proven they can learn. They've gone out, they've gotten certs, they've worked in groups. Teachers generally have great things to say about them. You hire them, give them that foot in the door and then just watch them take off. Like that's, it's an amazing opportunity. And again, it's just that they bet on themselves. They said, this is something I want to do. And that's, I mean, that's what we're looking for. And, and, you know, and that's it, that tenacity and that desire to be here are probably the biggest factors that anybody can bring, in my opinion, to a career in technology, because I, you know, I can teach almost anybody either how to program or how to manage a server or how to, you know, install a database or whatever the skill set is necessary to achieve the goal. I mean, of course, if you're working on pacemakers or Mars rovers, you probably need a few PhDs, but for, you know, 99.9% of all software that's written out there, it's just, it's not required. What we need more than the skills is the desire in my opinion, because you could acquire the skills. And once you learn how to acquire the skills, it's a never ending process yeah. because there's always a new technology to come out and learn in Rackspace. You're in a unique position where you're kind of in this, uh, I would, uh, I'm making an assumption here, so you can correct me if I'm wrong. My assumption is 
that because you're supporting legacy hardware and software, things that could be you know old, ancient in internet terms, all the way to people that are using cutting edge technologies and bleeding edge uh, hardware and software to to deliver the tech of tomorrow and today, that has to present unique problems around not only acquiring new talent, but bringing in entry level talent and then up leveling and upskilling talent along the way. So before we like drill down on a more holistic level, how do you and your team face this ever growing need of needing more senior people, more entry level people and everybody to learn something new almost every day? Yeah, I I think it's that foundational knowledge is is what you're looking for. Do you understand the basics of of how things work? Do you have a desire to learn? What is your thought process? Are you are you hungry to learn more? That's the kind of attitude that you're looking for. If you've got a foundational knowledge and the desire to continue learning, that's generally what you're looking for at an entry level. And then how do we as a company, as a team, as leaders, how do we build those folks up? So something I love that that we do at Rackspace is we give our folks learning time, which is basically weekly scheduled time that they can devote towards skilling up, whether it's getting better at their current position, shadowing a new team, working towards a certification, things like that. Because we want this is this is one of the things that I do love about Rackspace is that we want folks to learn and grow. That has not always been the the case in in my life. I have seen where the the big boss has said, you're too good at your current job. We don't even want you to think about applying for another job, even though they could be great for that. So they're purposely keeping them down. Whereas we said, no, we, we want to bring you in. We want to nurture you. And then we want you to stay. Like, that's the thing. I don't want to, to build my folks up and then say, okay, go, go leave for another job. We want them to continue to grow and stay with the company. And we're designing programs where they can learn, you know, new clouds? How do we get to to be able to do that proactive work, the deeper level work? How can we automate things to remove some of these lower level tasks so we can learn and grow to be able to do things that are going to help the customer more? So that's, I think, what, what we're about. Hire folks with foundational knowledge that want to continue to learn and grow and then help them learn and grow. Well, I mean, really, would you rather work next to somebody who's stagnant for 20 years and just does the same job over and over, day in, day out? Or would you rather work next to somebody who is constantly learning and growing and eventually moves to another team where they're doing other cool things than another team? And I think that selfishly, I I want the second one, not only because I think it's a better work environment, but it probably means I have those opportunities too, where I can learn and grow and experience new teams. And and so that's a really great culture. And, you know, again, Rackspace has been known from from its infancy to have a a wonderful culture for both its uh, customers and for its employees. So the one thing I will say where we look at kind of these terms for, Rockstar and superstar, where a rock star is somebody that is really great at what they do and they want to stay there versus a superstar is somebody that that comes in, they're learning every single thing and just advancing immediately. I think I know you use the term stagnate, and I trust me, I have absolutely seen some folks that said, This is my job. This is all I ever want this job to be. I don't want to learn new stuff. Don't talk to me about any of that. That I think there's there's no place for that in technology because it will just pass you by. But there are also some folks that say, I like what I do. I like at this level, this is the stuff 
I enjoy working on. I'm going to learn the new technology and be able to work at this layer, but I do want to stay here. And I think that also, it absolutely has its benefits. If the person is happy, they're still learning, they're still growing, and they can help bridge that gap between kind of that that old school knowledge to the new school knowledge, help train the folks on what their job is. So yeah, I, I just want to make sure I can call out, hey, just because you stay in that same job doesn't mean you're doing a bad job. It just means you enjoy it. You're happy at that current level. Your work-life balance is good. Everything works for your family. Like, I think there's something said for that, but yes, that you can't ever in tech just say, okay, I'm done learning now. That, right. that, that, will, that will get you about two weeks before something new comes out. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. That's a great clarification. And I agree 100% with everything that you said. I, I in no means was mean that you need to advance through titles or positions, but you certainly need to grow uh, yeah. as far as your knowledge and understanding. I spent a long portion of my career as a software developer, and I purposefully did not advance into mm-hmm. management because I liked writing code, but I did have to learn a new programming language every three years or so, you know, and if you, if I wanted to stay relevant, then I was constantly having to learn the new database, the new software, the new, you know, web server, whatever it was, but I had no desire to leave my role. So I agree with what you say a hundred percent. And, you know, now that I've been in management for the last eight years, there's many days I wake up and think, man, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, I wonder if they take me back. Yeah, will they just let me go sling some code again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I agree with what you say 100%. You know, there's, I think there's two different audiences when I think about entry-level tech talent. And I think that you have a lot of wisdom for both, and I've already shared a lot. But, um, you know, I think of them as the person that's having to hire entry-level tech talent that doesn't have a lot of skill hiring that. And that may be experience. Skill might be the wrong word. Doesn't have a lot of experience hiring, even entry-level. Maybe they have experience hiring, you know, mid and senior talent yeah. or, or growing entry-level talent. And then, of course, there's the person who is transitioning into their first job in technology. Yeah. And I, I'd like to kind of take those apart. And so first... To that hiring manager, because we've kind of been talking about management in your role a little bit. It'd be tough to segue back and forth. You know, you've got somebody that comes to you and they say, Jeremy, I know that you've hired and trained and helped grow entry-level technical talent on your teams uh, throughout the years. I'm being tasked with growing my team and our budget or whatever constraints or whatever decisions we've made, strategic decisions we've made, uh, have decided we're going to bring on some entry-level folks. I want to set them up for success. Yeah. I want them to succeed. I don't want to go through this process of hiring people, bringing them on my team, and then it being, it being a, a failure. Yeah. What advice would you have for them? What thoughts can you bring from your experience? Yeah. I think it all starts with the hiring process because that's if you're, if you're hiring them, you want them to be good. So asking the questions that truly matter in the interview and what I'll say the big thing for entry-level folks, again, goes back to that the, the desire, the attitude, and the understanding of working within a team. If you're in a team environment, if it's just individual, I need them to go do some work, okay, you can kind of remove that a little bit. But you've got to make sure they want to work with the team, that they have a desire to learn and grow, like asking them, okay, what did you do to pre- prepare for this interview? What have you been working on to learn this type of technology? Have you improved a process before? 
Like, do they have a process improvement mindset? What are they looking for? You know, how do they deal with conflict within a team? How do you work with with difficult customers? How do you handle stress? So this is all, I look at that as the, the team fit portion. Obviously, you want to have a baseline for understanding technology, but that's also understanding what your team needs. Do you have a bunch of high-level folks that are knocking the stuff out, but you need good, hardworking team members to come in? And so maybe you can take a little bit lower technical skill because they're, they're going to be super strong team fit and help fill in that gap that you have. Or are you a brand new team of folks? There's not a lot of you know experience, tenure on the team, and you need somebody stronger technically. That's understanding your team for, for what you need there. But then making sure you're asking good questions to, to get at what that team needs, not just like, hey, this guy seems fun. Okay, but are, what are they going to do in crunch time when a DC goes down and you have 9 million people calling you or you know whatever the catastrophic event, you're going to be in the trenches with these folks. How do they handle that kind of pressure? How do they work with people? How do they deal with conflict? How do they deal with stress? Because especially if this is going to be their first job or their first job in tech, they might not be used to angry people calling them to tell them why they hate them. How are they going to deal with that? How do they deal, you know, what it's weird to say, and this is kind of leaning on my, my English experience. How do they write? How do they respond to, to customers and chat or tickets or over the phone? Doing those scenarios of calling up as a customer, giving them a scenario. Okay. Can you tell me what my issue is? How would you respond to me? Things like that to understand what is their thought process. And we know terminology might be weird and they're not going to know all of your processes, all that good stuff. But how do they think about those types of things? And what do you truly need on your team looking for that? And then once you do hire, set them up, have an onboarding that is going to be consistent for everybody. Because if you don't onboard them, you're just leaving them to their own devices. So they're not going to know your internal processes. They might give up some security breaches because they didn't, oh, I didn't know I needed to ask that question. Never good. But have a solid onboarding delivered by, if you can, the same person each time, and then iterate on that. Ask them once they've been on the floor for a month, is there anything that we didn't cover that you wish we would have now that you've been on the floor? What did we do well? What could we improve? Things like that. And then check in with them. Doing one-on-ones is huge to make sure, are they comfortable? Do they know that they're allowed to ask questions, which day one, you need to tell them, ask questions. If you don't know, don't feel dumb, ask the question. If you have that question, somebody else has had that question. And I tell everybody, it's better to ask a million questions one time than one question a million times. If you ask that question and you get an answer, if you need to write a note down, write the note down so you don't have to ask it again, because that's how you build that knowledge or a repository of knowledge that you can refer back to. Check in with them, consistent onboarding, and just make sure they know that you know they're a person. That's a very convoluted way of saying it. Everybody's an individual. They're not an employee number. Understand the individual that you were hiring, the individual that you hired, and the individual that is now working for you. Because if something's going on in their life, it will absolutely impact them at work. Everybody says, oh, just turn it on when you come to work. There's some stuff that can't just be turned off. Understand that and get to know them. Because if you know what motivates somebody, you're going to get the best out of that person. Because Nobody wants to just come, clock in, do some tickets, go home. What motivates them? Do you, do you want to learn more? Do you, is there a role that you have your, your site set on? Is it 
you know what, I'm trying to buy a house right now. So I'm trying to buy or to get as much money as I can. And so I'm trying to build myself up to that layer or I want a great work-life balance and the shift I'm on isn't great for that. I want to prove myself. So maybe I could move to this shift. What is that thing? What is that carrot that they're trying to, to, to get? And so you tap into that and you let them know, Hey, I know this is what you're striving for. Let me help you get there. And so then you just do what you can. And I know, Hey, everybody wants more money. You can't just go giving it out. Everybody wants a promotion. You can't just give it out, but set them up to succeed. What I tell everybody that I work with, I tell them, my goal is always to get myself in the room. And what I mean by that is if you can get yourself to that interview, that's where now you've got a chance. Get yourself to the room and then do the best you can and put yourself in a position for success. If they don't pick you, nothing you can do about that. As long as you put yourself in the best position you can, you're controlling everything you can control. So ask good questions. Make sure the team and tech is there. Make sure you understand what your team needs. Onboard them, get to know the individual, and then ask for feedback along the way. I love it. That's a great answer. You know, my, my first company that I owned was a software development company. And me and the co-founder had worked together for years. So we slung all the software ourselves. And when we had to hire our first employee, we were terrified to like, <laughs> put them on the floor, you know, let them write code for our customers. What if their code was bad? Yeah. So we put them on an internal like fake project for three months to you know, train them before we introduce them. And then when we start building them, get them all in, they're doing great. We get our second person, we train them for like two months into a side project before we let them touch customer code. And, you know, what's fun is about three years later when we've got, you know, dozens or two dozen people working there and, you know, tons of, of code getting written. You got hired on Monday, on Tuesday, you were sitting in front of customer yeah. code, right? It was kind of just like, here you go. I need a body in the seat. Start writing software. And, you know, at the beginning, we were too risk averse and we didn't trust our hires to mm-hmm. do their job. Yeah. And we used onboarding as a way to to cr- make a crutch mm-hmm. so that we we didn't ever we didn't let them touch real stuff until months beyond when they should have and then when we were later and it become very laissez-faire with it a lot of the complaints we got from people were that first month or two was brutal because there was absolutely no onboarding and what i'm hearing from you is more of that goldilocks zone and you know what what i took away from what you said was have mindful thoughtful onboarding yeah and then get them in front of customers or whatever their job is in front of code, in front of the data, in front of the, the customer, the server, whatever they're working on. And then the, the sweet spot there is check in, have one-on-ones and create an environment where they know it's okay to raise your hand and say, what do I do? I don't, I, I'm new here. So anything I missed? No, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Because I think a lot of folks, when they do get hired, especially if this is their first big job, they're going to be afraid to mess up. And yeah. if they do mess up, they're going to be afraid to admit it. Or if they think they might mess up, they're afraid to ask a question to make sure they don't mess up. And then they're also in the back of their mind, but oh, now I'm also afraid of metrics. And so they just are petrified out of fear. So encouraging them to ask questions and upfront knowing, like I, I tell my folks, look, you're your first month, you're transitioning. We you're on the schedule, you're, you're helping out the team, but I kind of look at you as the icing on the cake. You know, you're, you're an added bonus. Get yourself comfortable. Ask those questions. As you get more comfortable, you're going to start working faster. You're not going to have to ask those questions. It's going to become second nature. 
But when you are uncomfortable, ask them. Because the longer you do something, the more ingrained it becomes. And if you're doing the incorrect thing, the longer you do it, the harder it is to break you of those habits. So get all of your questions out up front. And yeah, be comfortable. And it is, you don't want to, it's it's the the training wheels on the bike. You want to make sure they're not falling, but you don't want them to have training wheels for the rest of forever. So just figuring out, okay, what kind of time frame do we need? And again, that goes back to understanding your team and what the needs are. We're going to get you through onboarding, but it's going to be quick. All right. So buckle yeah. up. Uh, we're going to give you some homework and other times, look, we're doing great right now. Somebody's moving They're They're getting promoted, but it's not for two months. So we got time. We can breathe a little bit more, just understanding the team, but absolutely always encourage those questions. Jeremy, what a great uh, time we spent the, this afternoon on this. I really appreciate you taking the time. There was really so much here um, in such a short amount of time. And you know, the key takeaways that I would give to, to anybody listening is if you are that career transitioner or you're curious about a job in tech, uh, you heard it here. Just try it. Get out of your own way. And don't have a just mentality. It's not about I'm just this or that. It's you have those skills too, and we need them in this industry. Our industry has a, a huge hole in the center of it where it's it's a need for more people and more people with diverse experiences and backgrounds that can help us solve the challenging problems that we face every day. And everybody is a user of technology. You can't walk around outdoors anywhere in the world without seeing people walking around with the equivalent of a supercomputer in their hand, taking selfies and sharing moments on the internet. We have entered this place. And so if you know how to use a smartphone, there's a spot for you somewhere in this industry, and we'd love to have you. I love hearing about the empathy, the curiosity, the growth mindset, and a feeling of helpfulness uh, across everything that you shared today, Jeremy. I think that that is, it shows what, what our industry really is about. I think that it's a testament to Rackspace and to the teams that you work on and lead inside that organization. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I really want to go work with this guy, um, how, how does uh, anybody come and learn more about positions open at Rackspace or even more specifically your team? Yeah, they can look at our, our website, rackspace.com. Uh, and look for those open roles. If anybody wants to hit me up on LinkedIn, I'm Jeremy Brown. Uh, they can absolutely do that. Um, but yeah, just uh, again, yeah, get out there, try. And if you're hungry, want to learn and looking for an entry-level position, I'm absolutely open to talking to you. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate the time today. I can attest I've known dozens or hundreds of people that over the years have worked at Rackspace and the overwhelming story I hear is how great of a company it is to work for and how, what a wonderful part of our community it is. So thank you again, Jeremy, for taking time this afternoon for sharing all of this great wisdom. And of course, if you're interested in transitioning into a career in technology and you're interested in the kind of technologies that you heard about today, also check out codeup.com. That's C-O-D-E-U-P.com. Thank you very much.